Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. At 23 years old, Kayla Kraft was working in a hospital as an ER nurse when children came into the picture, and she quickly realized she needed a flexible career that allowed her to work from home, so much so that she made it happen. By the time she was 26, Kayla had made her first million dollars working on her own. Yes, you heard that right. And her entrepreneurial success laid the foundation for Kayla to launch her second business, Mommy Millionaire, in 2017. Through Mommy Millionaire, Kayla has helped thousands of women grow their business with practical tips and resources. Over time, she has grown Mommy Millionaire into a full-fledged brand, eventually launching a podcast and authoring a best-selling book. In this episode of Work Party, I sit down with the lifestyle coach and mom of three to get the scoop on her journey to becoming a self-made millionaire, her secrets to balancing motherhood with entrepreneurship, and how she's navigated being a working mom during the pandemic. So let's get right into it. Welcome, Kayla, to the show. We're so excited to have you. Yay, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So we're just going to kick it off. Obviously, you are the mommy millionaire, so we're going to talk about all things money. So tell us a little bit about your relationship to money growing up. How did that experience affect your overall outlook as you entered the workforce as an adult? Right. So I was raised by a single mom and I like always thought of money as like a very scarce resource. Like there wasn't enough of it to go around 
ever. <laughs> so I grew up like always wanting money. Like I always felt like they're, you know, like, okay, what can I do to get more of it? Because I want to have that thing or I want to go to that place. And so, um, I knew that there was more of it. Like, but I just always thought I need to work really hard. I need to do something else besides what my mom does in order to get it. And I used to get frustrated at it. Cause I'm like, gosh, my mom works like 12 hours a day cutting people's hair. Like she should make more money. Like she deserves more money. And so I kind of like felt entitled to it in a way too. You know what I mean? So I had a lot of freaking issues around money, which I believe that that's why it's partly my life purpose right now to teach people around having a healthy relationship with it. You know, <laughs> I totally get that. Like the scarcity mentality, which I feel like is what people tell you not to have, but oftentimes it's what motivates you to get past that, to get to a place of abundance. So talk to me a little bit about how the idea for mommy millionaire spark, like, did you have the money when you launched it? Were you like manifesting the money when you launched it? Like how did it all come about? Yes. Okay. So I had built a very successful network marketing business and like a big team. So I was already making a lot of money, but I felt like I was in a box, like just doing network marketing. And I, I when I thought of mommy millionaire and I knew I was going to create a company, I knew I was going to do a podcast and I was going to coach women. I was like, what is going to be like stand out? you know, and I'm like putting mommy and millionaire together. Cause most people, when they think mom, they think of like diapers and like, you know, just like frazzled. And I wanted to just like debunk that myth right away. And then millionaire, like you think of like, not so much these days, but you know, back then it was like a, you know, a power suit and like a man that looked all serious. And so I like really wanted to just put two of those crazy things together and be like, moms can be millionaires and we can do it wearing yoga pants. You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you were in the network marketing game. What did that teach you? Or like, how did you sort of manifest that? And does that play into what you currently teach on mommy millionaire? So I was actually working as an ER nurse when I found network marketing and I had just one baby at the time and I had sales experience cause I actually used to sell cell phones. And so when I started selling protein shakes, I was like, this is easy. Like these are only like $40. <laughs> so I had that sales experience and I had that like grittiness because of the way that I grew up, you know, I was like, ah, I have something to prove. And uh, I think what it taught me though, was building a team and creating a very compelling vision because leaders need to have a compelling vision in order to, you know, get your team on board and to get other people to buy in what you're throwing down. And so that's what network marketing taught me. And I'm so grateful for the experience because you get to learn money, you know, or learn and earn money at the same time. Learn and earn. Love it. So you saw a lot of success very quickly. So you earned your first million dollars at only 26 years old. So mm -hmm. tell us about that moment. And also like, and I always love to clarify this is like, it wasn't like you got a million dollars overnight in your checking account or was it? Tell me a little bit about like getting a dollar milestone. Well, you know, it definitely wasn't. I remember my first year I started to make six figures. I was like, oh, like this is life changing, you know? And then just two years later, I was making a million dollars a year. And so much had changed in just those two years. Cause I thought I could never live on just six figures alone now, because you know, so much of my like desires have expanded and I have three kids now and my husband's working at home with me and like all of this stuff has changed. And I completely feel like I was a brand new person by the time I was 26, because I learned that in order to be successful, all you have to do is help other people achieve what they want in life. 
And you, if you're, if you have that mentality of just giving back and helping other people, you're really not going to be scarce for money. If you know that it's always circulating and making its way back to you. And so when I made that million dollars to me, it was just a representation of how many people I had helped at that point. Like, Oh my gosh, like I never thought this girl from Bakersfield would have touched tens of thousands of lives at this point, helped people get healthy, helped people make, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month. And here I am. So it's so cool. It represented so much more than just like the lifestyle I got to have now. It was also about giving back, you know? Absolutely. So you're doing that, but then you end up quitting to start Mommy Millionaire. But how much money did you save up before you were able to make that transition? That's a really good question. Nobody's asked me that before. I had invested a lot of my money. This is crazy. I was making so much cash and people that are listening in that, you know, have done network marketing, you make so much cash a month and you think it's like always going to be coming in that way. (laughs) (laughs) So I made a lot of like risky investments. Like I did a lot of oil. I, and then I did some real estate that, you know, was more secure and safe, but, um, I had just said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Like at the end of the day, I could start out like at $0 tomorrow. And I know because I have this mindset, eventually I'm going to be making a million dollars. And what happened was when I started Bobby millionaire, I joined a mastermind. And in front of this mastermind, I got up there and I was like, I'm going to start a subscription box for mommy millionaire. Like this is the idea at the time I was going to start a subscription box and there's going to be live trainings that go along with it. And I'm going to charge everybody $3,000 a month and I'm going to make a million dollars my first year. And I got up there like so naive. Okay. Like to digital marketing and all the things. And people are like, this chick is whack. Like there is no way that she's going to do that. And I ended up not doing it in that way, but because I got up and like, I announced to the world that I was like going to make mommy millionaire stand on its own and be a seven figure brand in a year, I was like pulling tricks, like out of the trick bag all year long in order to hit that. But it was so powerful, the idea of declaring your goals out loud to an entire group, right? And so that's kind of my mentality going into it was like, I don't need money saved up. Starting out at zero is actually the most resourceful place to be for me because like I got to get gritty. I had to get out and organically sell. And like, you know, I was going to networking events that I freaking hated, but I ended up like loving it because I got to meet some different people I normally wouldn't have met, grew my network. Like, so yeah, no, I didn't have a lot of money saved up, but I did have like investments and like a net worth of around like 5 million at the time. But yeah. Your business is more than the goods you sell or the services you provide. It's the heart of the economy. That's why I'm teaming up with MasterCard to support entrepreneurs by sharing my tips and advice to help their local business, like how your mindset can improve employee performance. Today, we're going to dive into trickle-down management, which is the idea that a leader's action and behaviors have a direct influence on how everyone else in the organization or company acts. This is why appointing a leadership team that leads with optimism, professionalism, and determination, among other qualities, is so important. If you employ high-caliber executive talent, they'll serve as role models for the rest of your company and, in theory, inspire others to also perform well. The saying is true. It all starts at the top. This idea not only applies to employee attitudes, but other areas of performance as well. If you want your entire employee base to respect deadlines, arrive to meetings on time, or go the extra mile to help a fellow coworker, ensure that your leadership team is abiding by these expectations to set an example for everyone else. Beyond this lead by example approach, 
Rewarding good behavior can also be effective in improving employee performance. When you reward your employees for reaching their goals or improving their skills, those employees become more open to constructive feedback, more effective at working with coworkers, and better able to recover from setbacks along the way. For more tools and resources, go to mastercard.us slash local biz. That's mastercard.us slash local biz. Together, let's start something priceless. Yeah. So that's not cash. <laughs> yeah, and not cash. Like that's a good point. So like when you're looking at people's net worth, it's not necessarily cash. It's like investments, but it's also risk. It's all these other things. So for people who don't know what a mastermind is, can you give like a quick one-on-one on what a mastermind is? Absolutely. And I actually have a mommy millionaire has a mastermind. Some people do it wrong. They just get people together and like you want to like talk about a topic and talk about business. That's not what a mastermind is. A mastermind works really effectively when you get people together that are already successful at something and you get together and now you're going to strategize on ideas to take your company and your business to the next level, you know? So it's like you get with other people that, you know, maybe they have a team of 10 employees. And when I was starting out mommy millionaire, I had one and I'm like, who can I ask you questions about like what to do? I think I need to fire this person. And in a mastermind, it's just like this open forum of no judgment and you get help in that way because people are going through some of the same things you're going through or they've already gone through it. And so you get so much wisdom and just like an amazing energetic to go to the next level. Amazing. And then does that continue on after the like event itself? Yeah. Yeah. So we have like the mommy millionaire mastermind. We do three events a year that are in person, but then I also will do one-on-one coaching with people every month. And then I also bring the group together every month that we're not together. And we do like hot seat stuff. Amazing. Thank you for breaking it down. Cause I think a lot of people talk about masterminds and everyone's like, mm-hmm, and everyone's like, what the hell is a mastermind? So very, very helpful. So what were some of the biggest mistakes early on that you made with money and what do you find are the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make with money? Okay. So (laughs) I've made so many mistakes with money, but I think this is actually a really common one with people that if you're good at selling something and you're, so you're good at creating that cash flow, you can tend to make the mistake of throwing money at problems and thinking it's going to fix it. So I would blindly hire these people thinking that's going to fix the the challenge in my business. But I kept going deeper and deeper into the hole of crap. This is not fixing it at all because it's actually an organizational problem and it's not, it's not, this isn't the challenge. And so I think before you throw money at something, you need to always be very intentional and say, can I get resourceful? Can I get gritty here and figure out another way to fix this challenge that I'm completely capable of fixing on my own or with the team that I already have. So I think that's something that I do very differently now when it comes to like, I seeing a challenge I'm not going to just go hire some random Joe blow anymore. I'm going to like get our team collectively together and say, what can we do to overcome this and become even stronger? And then if we've tried and exhausted all things, then I will go to a referral. So somebody that has used this person to solve this particular challenge in another business, and then I'll bring them over to me and see if they can help. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And (laughs) you know, when it comes to hiring, and finding those right people. Like what are some of the tips and tricks? Like how big is your team now? And what were some of the best hires you made and what was it based off of? 
We have seven people now. And so one of the best high, and I, and I always tell people like, they, they're like trying to say, I need to hire two more people right now. And I'm like, no, like it's better to run lean, I think, um, and show people what they're capable of and help them rise up and make more money in the company. That's my belief. I, I really don't want to have that large of a team. And so I think for me hiring, I always hire off character instead of skills. So the one time that I hired off of skills within 28 days, I fired her because she didn't fit in with the culture. Like at mommy millionaire, we like to laugh. We like to do laughter yoga during the day. Like we're doing some weird crap all the time. And if like, you can just, if you're just like this and serious, like you're not going to work out. So I like to hire off character first and foremost, of course they need to have some skills too, but if you're lacking some skills, I would rather hire you based off your character and then help you develop those skills. Um, if you're looking to stay long-term with my company. Absolutely. And why is firing so important? I think it's something that specifically with women, it's like, you know, Oh, I don't want to fire that person or whatever. Like I run into that issue personally. I know a lot of other people run into that issue where they just want to give people chances and opportunity, but 28 days, you're like, it's not working. It's not working. Why is that so important? So this is the, the thing is hire slowly, fire fast, hire slowly, fire fast. And the reason why is because you're actually doing a disservice to that person that you want to fire by keeping them on because you're not letting them live out their true gifts and talents. And I'm so big on every person living out their true gifts and talents. And if you're in my company and you're not living out your gifts and talents, like somebody wants a serious person that's like this, right? It's going to help somebody else's company. So always look at it. Like I'm doing this person a favor so they can go and prosper elsewhere because this job, they're always going to leave at the end of the day, feeling like there was something wrong with them because they're never going to make me happy. And so that's not fair to either of us. So in order to serve that person better, I must fire them. Absolutely. So let's talk about money, making money. So one of the things we talk about at Crane and Cultivate a lot is diversifying your revenue streams. So what do you recommend for people to set up multiple income streams so that they're not just relying on one form of revenue? You talked a little bit about investments and real estate and things like that, but as you've grown your wealth over time, what have been the things that have performed the best for you? Well, so my thing is, well, real estate has, because I love real estate. And so, um, here's the thing. And then startups too. I'm so excited. I get to invest in one of my friends' companies just this week. So here's the thing. You only need to invest in the things that you understand. So years ago, I got myself in trouble when I invested into oil and I'm talking like I invested into lots of different oil production things, like lots of money. And I knew nothing about oil, but I had this financial advisor friend say, Hey, I'm going to invest in it too. And I was like, well, you know, I'm making a lot of money. What does it hurt by me? Like doing this? I had zero clue the way oil worked. And <laughs> anyways, every one of those investments, except for one, and they were like about a total of 10 have come back empty handed zero dollars. And I had to really reframe my mindset around this too, because I was like, oh, I lost all this money, but I really didn't by me investing in that. I actually created a prosperity ripple effect because it helps people have jobs. And you know, it helped me learn a lot about what I'm probably never going to invest in again. And, uh, you know, do like a whole reframe there, but I would say invest in what gets you excited. All right. So the things that you can understand, I am just now like learning about index funds. And I've read Tony Robbins money master the game. And I've read that like three to four times because it's so like 
to me, it's not interesting at all. Like index funds, I'm like, Oh God, but to me, like startups, like I've probably invested in all of my friends startups because I'm like, do I get to have a say? Can I say something about this? And I get like excited about where my money is going and how it's creating another ripple effect. And then with real estate, I love like redesigning. I love having like a say in that. I love making people's homes beautiful in our like little apartment buildings. So I think that's the biggest thing. Invest in what excites you and what you want to learn more about. Never put your money just because somebody said, I'm going to do it. Don't do that. You really need to take the time to educate yourself and feel good about the decisions that you're making when you're investing. Absolutely. And do you think you should only invest money that you're willing to lose? Absolutely. Yeah. Also, there's a thing around that because if we go in with the mindset of I'm willing to lose this, it sometimes can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like saying that while we're giving the money, it's like, no, like when I invest, you know, a hundred thousand dollars into this startup right here, I'm going, Hey, this is like a beautiful amount of money that I helped a lot of people in order to give this to you right here. And so I know that you are the right person for the job, that you're going to help me multiply this money. So I like to have that mindset. Every time I invest money, it's coming back to me multiplied. Mm. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic in 2020. So this has been a crazy wild year. Um, Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for women that are struggling to maintain their business, take care of their kids, have a solid relationship, all of those different things. There was a stat that came out last week that was like over 900,000, I think women left the workforce because of lack of childcare and not being able to do all the things that they wanted to do. So what advice do you have for women that are maybe struggling a little bit? I think this is super important to talk about. I'm glad you asked this question because I have three kids that are 10, eight and six. And you know, when this pandemic hit, the first thing I thought of is how is this going to affect my children? And then, Oh my gosh, how am I still going to get everything done? And what I realized back in March was, okay, working harder is actually lazy thinking. I need to learn how to work even smarter right now. And so moms need to learn to learn. And even just women in general, we need to learn how to work even smarter. Where are you doing the things just because you can do them? You know, like we do a lot of that rather than just living in our zone of genius. So doing the things that only Kayla can do, it's doing what I'm doing right now, talking to you, um, recording my own podcast or training. Like I was just doing a little bit earlier and then coaching. Okay. So those are like, it's training and coaching are the things only Kayla can do. But also I even questioned that and I go, Hmm, I don't have to be the only coach in mommy millionaire. I'm going to create more mommy millionaire coaches. And so I created a whole program where people get certified now to be mommy millionaire coaches. And they're trained doing a lot of the training and coaching for me in my company now. So we're all sharing the workload and working smarter. So I would just ask yourself that question. Where am I doing too much and how can I just do the things that are in my zone of genius and delegate out everything else? Right now, it's really important for women to be asking themselves, where am I not using my gifts and talents? Where am I not using my gifts and talents? Because prosperity comes when we focus on giving our gifts and talents to the world more often, right? And so a lot of those people, I'm glad. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, good. Because a lot of those people are in the workforce doing things that they don't really love to do anyway. So now it gives everybody the opportunity, right? So it's like actually a blessing. This is an opportunity for me to get still and find out where have I atrophied my gifts and talents and how can I start to use that muscle a little bit more and work in the pockets of time that I have 
when my, you know, kids are napping or maybe when your kids are working on their homework, how can I be working on my zone of genius there? Does that make sense? Yeah. And what do you think the biggest misconception is about working moms? Well, what's a misconception you have about working moms? I feel like with working moms, I feel like it's that, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it's like one of those things where you think that being a mom means being a parent, right? Where they take on all the responsibilities. So I think the misconception yeah. is that it has to all be on women all the time. Yes. I, I do think like there has to come a time and place. I think we're getting there in some ways where it's like, what's the, what's the father doing as, as like a female, I don't have kids, but as like a female CEO, I get asked all the time in like any meeting, like, Oh, well, when are you having kids? It's like, do you ask male CEOs that question? Or like, yeah. they don't because they don't, they don't think it's going to take up any of their time. Mm-hmm. But it, should. it really should. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, now I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Like, so part of what I teach in some of my courses is we teach having family mission statements and getting your spouse or your partner on board with whatever your family mission is. And so our mission is to spread more abundance and love through our family. So that means with my kids and everything, my husband's completely on board with that too. We definitely share different and we share our roles because like just this morning I had a ton of stuff. I was on good day LA. I was like doing all this stuff. He got the kids off to school. Um, they only get to go for three hours right now because of the pandemic, but he's like getting everybody ready. But it's because we have constant communication about what I need help with and where I feel like I'm overwhelmed. And I think the moms think, oh, I don't want to get a nanny, you know, because I want to spend time with my kids. That's cool. I've never hired a nanny. There's nothing wrong with it with people that have had nannies all good. But the one thing that I would tell people is what in your home can you delegate out? Because I personally, I don't want my husband doing the laundry because he's not going to fold it right. And I like it a specific way. Okay. It's just the way I am. So I would rather pay somebody $10, like my neighbor girl to come over and do little things through out the day that can help me out inside of my home. If I can't make more than $10 an hour focusing on my zone of genius or hanging out with my kids while I'm paying somebody else to do that in my house, then, then yeah, I, I don't need to be hiring out. But most people think that they're not worthy of delegation. They're not worthy of hiring somebody to come clean their toilets or whatever. Some people like want to do that. So when we are not delegating and we're not hiring out some of the things we're actually preventing some people from living out their full potential. And so I would like every mom to believe that they're worthy of hiring out help in their home and whatever shape, um, um, or way that that feels good to you. So what traits do you think you need to be successful or what traits do you think you need to have today to be successful? Hmm. I definitely think that you need to have a little bit of grit and you need to have a little bit of grace. So you need to have that part of your personality that's willing to persevere through challenging times because it's not easy building a business. It's not easy creating success in your life, but you have to be willing to go through the valleys in order to get to the mountaintops. And so I think that's one of the biggest things. And then also just having grace, having grace on yourself along the way, instead of criticizing yourself, like just going, okay, I'm proud of you for showing up on that video. Maybe it didn't go as well as planned. Maybe nobody signed up, but like, I'm proud of you for showing up and constantly like having grace, like on those little things where we may mess up, but it's all good because we learned from stuff. So I think those are two things that are really powerful that can go a long way. And knowing that obviously sales is something that you've excelled at for a long time. What are your tips for (laughs) closing a deal? Like, what do you think it takes? Well, first of all, every day you have to sell yourself on you. 
right? Sell yourself on you and your vision. And so I tell people, if you're new to sales, like you need to get up and like have an infomercial about yourself in the mirror every single morning and like sell yourself on all the reasons why you deserve to be successful, why you deserve happiness, why you deserve health, why you deserve prosperity. And like, you've got to believe that in every cell in your body, because what happens is when you feel good about yourself and you go into a sales conversation, you become a magnet for that other person on the other line, no matter what you're selling. I had that sales experience from selling Palm Pilots. Literally, I would talk to people <laughs> into doing this. This was before iPhones and before like having data plans was a thing. And I had that confidence in myself that people were like, oh, I want what she's selling. Everybody has that personal magnetism available to them. They just have to see it and feel it first. And so I like, it sounds so silly, but doing that infomercial in the morning, it, it activates like this childlike part of your brain. And when we can get into that childlike part in our brain, we actually have more faith in ourselves. And we also like have this like curiosity about how our day is going to go. Instead of being attached to the outcome of these phone calls, we're kind of like, Ooh, I wonder what she's going to say. Like we get excited. And so if we can activate that childlike part of our brain as much as possible with doing sales, the more successful we're going to be. And so when it comes to things, when sales don't work out or you don't close the deal or you run into failure, when something hasn't worked out for you, how do you deal with those moments? Well, you know, in the beginning, I used to take it very personally, like, oh, what did I do wrong? Did I say something wrong? Was it me? And I'd always like want to put the mirror up to, to me. And I really had to learn that when people are saying no, they're never rejecting you. They're just helping you be redirected to something better. Okay. So I always think like, um, you know, if that, that person would have said yes, back to when I was selling protein shakes, if that person would have said yes, when they really wanted to say no, they would have been a nightmare customer. And so I'm so grateful. I was redirected to somebody else that actually wanted to, you know, get healthy and wealthy with their lives. And so it's the same thing now with what we're selling or with whatever you're selling, anybody will say no to themselves first. So they're not saying no to you. They're actually saying no to themselves, even though they might've filled out an application to get on the call with you. And you think it's about you. It's about them and where they're currently at. And I love that saying from Louise. Hay. she says, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And sometimes the students aren't ready. And who wants a student that is not ready? Nobody. Cause it's like hitting a freaking brick wall and you see no change at all. So every time you hear a no, you just take a deep breath. And I like to physically go like this and push the energy off of me that that no is not mine. Actually, that's all theirs that they need to deal with. And now I'm being redirected to another person. I have more time to call somebody else. And uh, you're always looking and seeing life is rigged in my favor. And so that was just another sign that life is rigged in my favor because people are being taken out that are not meant to be in there. Absolutely. So we're going to end with some rapid fire sentence finishers. Are okay. you ready? Okay. Yeah. The kind of work I do for free is coaching most agonizing career decision I've ever made. Getting my boobs out. <laughs> uh, the easiest career decision I've ever made. Starting mommy millionaire. And the number one money tip for small business owners. Number one money tip for small business owners is to always treat cash flow as king. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kayla. Yay. Thank you for having me. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party.